Thank you, Presley. What a message for us today. If you will, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Whether you realize it or not, today is the day that is recognized as Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday one week prior to the Resurrection Sunday. We call it Palm Sunday. Well, why don't we just read about it? If you found Matthew 21, why don't we stand together and just and read the 11 verses, if you can. When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, See, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt and the fold of a donkey. Then the disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and its colt, and they laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees. The Gospel of John tells us these were palm branches. And spreading them on the road. Then the crowd who went ahead of him and those who followed him shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was, he, was in an uproar, saying, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Now I want you to remain standing just a second. Picture this city. Obviously this was not a small event. Verse 8 says it was a large crowd, and verse 10 says the whole city was in an uproar. It was shaken. It was stirred up. I want you to ask, and then they ask the question, who is this? Think about that. Why in the world were hundreds, possibly thousands of people lining the road of Jerusalem, and they didn't know who he was? They didn't know, who is this? Now, before you get on them too much, I'm going to submit this to you today, that in this country we call the United States of America, that there are people on Sunday morning after Sunday morning after Sunday morning, members of churches, who gather thousands, hundreds of thousands of them, who cannot answer this question, who is this? The truth is, he healed the sick and he raised the dead. People call him a good, a good a man. They call him a good teacher. They call him a moral man. 
But if Jesus is who he says he is, that's inaccurate, it's inadequate, and it's incomplete, and it matters to Jesus. How do I know that? If you will flip back five chapters to Matthew 16, would you do that as you stand? Back to 16. Verse 13 and following. It reads, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. There it is. They're identifying him as only a prophet. And then Jesus says, But you... Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responded, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. In other words, it was a divine divine revelation about who Jesus was. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that this morning, that something that is spoken... From your word will pierce our hearts. And I pray that we will leave here with a renewed understanding of who your son is, who it is that you gave to us, who is it that you gave for us. Open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts, open our souls and pour in what you need for us to have so that we can know who it is that we serve. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In his marriage conference, Emerson, marriage conference named Love and Respect, Emerson Egridge begins this way. It's kind of humorous, but it's true. Some of you have heard me say this. He says, Men and women use the exact same words and mean totally different things. Amen. I got an amen. That's going to be a good morning. And then he, gives this, then he gives this example. He says, A woman says, I have nothing to wear. She means I have nothing new to wear. A man says, I have nothing to wear. And he means, I have nothing clean to wear. <laughs> Same words, totally different things. When it comes to Jesus, when it comes to Jesus Christ... Peoples, groups, belief systems, denominations use his name, the exact same words. And they mean totally different things. Some of them totally different than what the Bible teaches. This requires us this morning to ask two questions on this Palm Sunday. The first question is the Jerusalem question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Jesus? It's a vital question. It's an essential question. It's a non-compromising question. It is a biblical question. Second question will wait to the end of the message. I will get back to it. Who is Jesus? Charles Spurgeon is the Prince of Preachers. He understands that there's a difference in getting it almost right and right. Look on the screen. He says, discernment 
is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. My message to you this morning is that when it comes to Jesus, almost right is dead wrong. Almost right is eternally wrong. Almost right sends us to the wrong place, doing the wrong things, living the wrong life. So who is Jesus? In his seminal work entitled Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis gives us his take on this thing about Jesus. He writes, I am trying here to prevent anyone from saying the foolish thing that people often say about him, that's Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You can make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about him, his being a great human teacher. He has not left that option open to us. He didn't intend to. As I've studied and prayed for today... A lot of things weighing on my mind. It seems to me that week in and week out, we watch in heartbreak and horror as some kind of tragedy takes place. Two weeks ago was the tornadoes in North Mississippi. This past week, it was a shooting in Nashville. Did you realize? Uh, let me just say, I read this on Axios. In the month of March 2023, we had, at the time I read this, some 38 mass shootings. The month of March. Leaving 52 people dead and another 133 injured. And if you think, <clears throat> and if you think all these wild things are going on elsewhere... We had one of our schools in our county this week that had to increase their security because of a threat. It's here. It's among us. We are a sick and wounded society that is in need of some divine assistance. We don't need Jesus' light. We need Jesus' life. We need the change that He brings. We need to recognize who He is more than a good man, more than a prophet, more than a moral teacher. We need what He's done. He has died on the cross to save us from our sins and give us a a new life. We need what He wants to do. You know what He wants to do? What He can do? He can clean up our culture. He can clean up our land. He can clean up our world because He can clean up our hearts. If we let him. That day, 
He rode into Jerusalem. Palm branches closed to the sounds of Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Thousands of people lining the road. And it would only be a few days later when those same thousands of people were in the streets again. But the cry this time was crucify him. During his life, all he had done was heal the sick, raise the dead, gave sight to the blind, cast out demons, made the lame to walk, and the, and the deaf to hear, and the dumb to speak, fed the five thousands, reached out to the lowly, granted forgiveness to the sinner. He had done all of these things. And in less than a week, from blessed is he to crucify him. So who is this man? I want to make this a little more personal for us today. Who does your life say that Jesus is? Years ago there was a song, you're the only Jesus some will ever see. You're the only words of life some will ever speak. If the only concept that they have out there of Jesus is your life, what does your life say about Jesus, who He is? Is He a legend? Is He a lunatic? Is He a liar? Or is He Lord in your life? I just, ooh, that's too fast. Back that up, guys. Is he, let's just start there. We can put it back up. Is he a legend? Does your life say he's a legend? You know what a legend is, don't you? Sure you do. It's it's something that's been told over time. And normally there's a person at the center of it. And he is the one that is a legend. A story, collection of stories. It could be a, I read this, so let me read it to you. It is a non-historical and unverifiable story handed down by tradition from earlier times and popularized and popularly accepted as historical. Legends abound, you know. Legend of Atlantis. The legend of the Fountain of Youth. Now, if anybody ever finds that thing, y'all let me know because it's no fun getting old, Okay. The legend of the Fountain of Youth, the legend of the Boogeyman, the legend of Paul Bunyan. I mean, the list goes on. I could, I could give you legends all day long. But there are people in this world who believe that Jesus was nothing but a legend, a figment of our imagination, of, of, a, of an imagination of people who are weak and need someone to lean on. Could it be, fairness and balance, could it be that it is possible That Jesus' deity is an exaggerated over an, an excited early church? Well, it's possible. But when you deal with history, you don't deal with the possibilities, you deal with the probabilities. Probably not. It's probably not a legend because of two or three things. They're not going to be on the screen. I didn't want to distract you. First of all, 
When you're dealing with history, you deal with the probabilities. The first thing that jumps out at us is with, within the first 40 years after Jesus lived, there were four biographies written about Jesus. We call them Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why is that important? It's more biographical material about him than anybody else that lived at that time. Tacitus wrote about him. Josephus wrote about him. Uh, non-biblical, those are non-biblical historians wrote about him. But these four people who put, whose, whose words worked into the Bible, these, this is important because either A, they got to interact with him one-to-one, they knew what they were talking about, or number two, they interacted with people who had interacted with him. This was not a long space between when he lived and they wrote the biography. For instance, Matthew, John... And Luke interacted with Jesus. God used that information as he inspired them to write the the accounts. Mark likely spent time with Peter, hello, and learned all about what went on with Jesus. And God used that to inspire him. Biographies were written. The second thing I would suggest to you is that when you read those biographies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you discover that those biographies are concerned deeply with historically authenticating what they're writing. Luke alone has 15, 15 references to history. Things that, that secular people can pull out and go, well, yeah, this happened at this time, this happened at that time. The third reason that he's probably not a legend is because over the last 150 years, Modern archaeology and all of their wisdom have done more to confirm, not deny, the existence of Jesus. (laughs) Not a legend. Historical figure, biblical figure. Not a legend. Second question, is he a lunatic? Now, you can't use that word in the 21st century because everybody gets upset at you in our uh, woke culture. It's offensive. But the word's still with us. Make no mistake about it. It's a person whose actions and mannerisms are eccentric, reckless. From a therapeutic standpoint, to be a lunatic means that you're one of unsound mind. Why would anybody, why would anybody call Jesus of an unsound mind or, or put it in Ten Mile Creek vernacular, crazy? Why would anybody call Jesus that? Well, early on, Jesus' family said he was out of his mind. Look at Mark. When his family heard this, they set out to restrain him because they said, He's out of his mind. So the family thought that. And then if you go over to John 10, verse 20, you find once again that he's in another. Go ahead there. Many of them were saying he has a demon and he's, everybody knows that that word is crazy. Why would you listen to him? Well, you know what? Every time somebody pointed that kind of finger at Jesus, there were a group of people listening who could, uh, uh, who would refute it. Look at what it says in the next verse. Others were saying, these aren't the words of someone who is demon possessed. Can a demon open the eyes? The blind? Again, every time somebody leveled a charge at Jesus in his day, there were people there that remembered his works and his words. 
Why? Because, as someone has put it, insane people don't speak the way Jesus spoke. They don't do like Jesus did. They don't love like Jesus loved. They don't feel like Jesus felt. And they don't give like Jesus gave. We can become indignant that somebody might want to think that Jesus is a lunatic. But let's come back to the question. Does my life, how I live my life, present Jesus to the world? As just a legend. By the way, you know something else about a legend? In the final analysis, a legend is something you listen to and you may enjoy, but you don't base your life on. Jesus a legend? Does my life say that? Does my life say Jesus is a lunatic because I don't follow him? How about a liar? Is Jesus a liar? When I could spend hours here going through the scriptures of things Jesus said to debunk this, if Jesus, if he's a liar, he's not who he said he was, and he knew it. If he's a liar, he's a hypocrite because he told us to be honest no matter what the cost. Instead of walking us all through the scripture that can that can uh, contradict this. Let me just give you four thoughts here about liars. Liars will always crack under pressure. You put enough pressure on them, and they'll crack. They'll start making up new stories. They'll start saying things like you want them to say. The deal is, Jesus never did this. No one in all of history has died for a lie that they knew was a lie. And there's people who have died for a lie that they thought were the truth, but not died for a lie that they knew was a lie. The second thing I'd put up here is that liars always have something to gain with their lies. Jesus had nothing to gain with what he taught. Every time he opened his mouth, his opposition moved against him. The third thing I'd offer to you is that liars have little morals and ethics. They just kind of make it up as they go. In fact, they have to remember what their last lie was. Jesus didn't do that. He continued to stay on the straight and narrow. One noted philosopher asked this, Could Jesus be the greatest moralist and the greatest liar of all times at the same time? Here's the real clincher. Liars do not generally stick up. For the lowly of society. They want somebody who can help them. Yet Jesus, Jesus consistently spoke to the sinners. He spoke to the poor people. He spoke to the sick. He spoke to those who could offer him no help. Because he was the help. And so, before I pass this point, let me just ask you this question. Had Jesus been a liar... Who would have known it? His family would have known it. And yet after the resurrection, James became not only a follower of Jesus's, but he became a leader in the church. That would have never happened. The ladies would have known it. 
And uh, no offense, ladies, don't come up here and strangle me. Ladies don't sit well with liars. The disciples would have known it. If Jesus was lying, they spent enough time with him to know. And they never would have died the martyr's death that all of them died had Jesus been a liar. So, see a legend? Does your life say he's just simply a legend, somebody that I know about but I'm not going to follow? Is he a lunatic because you don't trust his preaching? Is he a liar of all the things he said? Well, the last question is this. Is Jesus Lord? Is he Lord? Two things. Just to start that off. Number one, he is Lord. He is Lord. Is he your Lord? Remember what a Lord is. He's someone who rules over you. Folks, I could spend all the time again spent pointing out his birth, his teachings, his miracles, his death, his resurrection, all the scriptures that he is Lord. But the big one we're going to get to is next week. This is Palm Sunday. Crucifixion this week. But you know what next week is? Sunday's coming when he's alive. The one who rode into Jerusalem in the name of the Lord is the one that rose from the dead as King of kings and Lord of lords. He did everything He did so we would never forget who He was. We would never forget the life that He gave. We would never forget the price that He paid. We would never forget the life that He offers to anyone. We would never forget it. He gives help for today. He gives hope for tomorrow. He offers to come into your life no matter who you are. And make you like Presley, just saying, make you different than you were before. And I want to say this, if you are, if you claim to be a child of God, and when you trusted Him, there was no change. If there's no change, there's no Christ, because He's Lord. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the second person in the Trinity. He's part of the Godhead. He's the soon coming King. He's the Lion of Judah. He's the Root of David. He's the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He's the risen Lamb of glory. He is all these wonderful things. Now you want a question, you want to answer to that Jerusalem question. Who is Jesus? That's the perennial question. That's the question that we answer today. Second question. And it's a Caesarea Philippi question. Jesus asked it. He said, Who do you say that I am? Interestingly, all the disciples pointed to the prophets and everything everybody else said. And he goes, no, I want to know who you say. If Jesus is to be your Messiah, if he's to be your Savior, if he's to be your Redeemer, if he's to be your Rescuer, if he's to be your Deliverer, if he's to be your Friend, it begins with a Father in Heaven who sends his Spirit into our heart. 
and pricks our heart. Folks, we serve a big, bodacious God. Working on a song. Who is the one who created the world with the words, let there be? Our Lord spoke it into place. Big God. But this big God, please listen. He's big enough to create the universe. Stuart Hamling wrote a song many years ago. And the words of the course are this. How big is God? How big and wide his vast domain. To try to tell, these lips can only start. He's big enough to rule this mighty universe. But he's small enough to live within my heart. You see, that's, that's who Jesus is. He left his home in heaven, stepped over the banister, down the stairways of stars, into the womb of a little virgin girl, lived a life, 30 plus years, perfect life, died the death of a sinner for you, for me, rose from the grave. He died for the sins, and he rose to make us right before the Father. And now he offers us eternal life when we put our trust in Without Him, you and I are nothing. Without Him, we have no hope. But with Him, we have eternal life. Jesus offers abundant life here and eternal life over there. And His invitation is very simple. Come to me today. Let's pray together.